And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy Thursday. <laughs> Let's jump into our keyword news portion of the day. We're going to try to clarify some major headlines for our listeners. This is our first pick of the day. Rate freeze likely. So Korea's central bank is poised to hold its benchmark interest rate steady at 3.5% today in its last decision of the year. What can we expect, Adam? Right. So the rate has remained unchanged uh, six consecutive times, actually, since February. And there are a number of factors that could prod the BOK to stay pat again. They include weak economic uh, momentum, along with the hope for the Federal Reserve's rate freeze next month, as well as moderating inflation. Experts say it wouldn't make sense for the BOK to raise rates now since the economy is not recovering strongly. Also, doing so might hurt spending, investment and increased risks in debt and real estate financing. Um, Some watchers say that the market is convinced that the US interest rate hike cycle is over. And in this situation, there is almost no reason for the BOK to raise rates. However, lowering the base interest rate earlier than the US could be hard for the bank as well. Now, since April this year, household loans have continued to increase rapidly. um, And the spread between the Korean and US base interest Mm -hmm. rates has already widened to a historically high level uh, as well. Now, that causes concerns, of course, of a a sharp rise in the exchange rate as well Mm -hmm. as the capital uh, outflow uh, in uh, overseas as well, concerns over that. Now, on the same day, the Bank of Korea will announce its revised economic outlook as well. So eyes will be uh, on that. People are also watching to see if it maintains or lowers the expected growth rates for this year uh, and next. Eyes are also on what the BOK governor, Yi Chang-yong, will say after the meeting as well about the recent increase in household debt um, and other factors and what we could or should look out for uh, next year. So this Mm. is the last monetary policy uh, meeting of this year, but of course his comments might give us some hints into what we can expect going into 2024. Uh, Speaking of hints for the next economic year, here's the OECD's forecast, our second keyword of the day. Rosy New Year. So the OECD has cut Korea's economic forecast this year to 1.4% from 1.5%, but it has revised its outlook for next year and looks slightly more rosy. Can you tell us the details of this report? Right. Well, the OECD is citing for this year anyway, weak Mm. domestic spending amid high inflation for the 0.1 percentage point drop this year in its forecast. Now, the downward revision, according to the OECD, reflects a moderate slowdown of the global economy which is estimated to grow 2.9%. That's down from 3% in the previous outlook that was made two months earlier. It also expects inflation to rise this year to 3.6% and next year to 2.7%, higher actually than its previous projections, but uh, tapering off nonetheless. Now, it assessed that loan repayments as well as surging inflation weigh on Korea's private spending and investment in the short term. But the OECD did note that improving exports, particularly in the semiconductor sector could ease downward pressures. Now, correspondingly, the OECD increased next year's economic growth forecast for Korea from 2.1% to 2.3%. Now, for the global economy, the forecast remained unchanged at 2.7%. Now, the OECD said high costs of energy and food increased the burden on Korea's efforts to tame consumer price growth, but it noted 
that the pace of consumer price growth is easing thanks to uh, monetary tightening and an anticipated fall in global energy prices. It added that the increase in inflation will eventually moderate to Korea's target of 2% by the year um, 2025. Mm. It advised, in terms of policy recommendations, Korea to cope with fiscal soundness by taking into account expenses related to a rapidly aging society, such as re uh, retirement pension and health care. It also suggested reducing the productivity gap between large and smaller businesses through um, regulatory mm. reforms and support for SMEs. All right, let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Reshuffle. So President Yoon Sung-yeol is planning a major overhaul of the presidential office. This includes a significant reshuffle of senior secretaries and possibly introducing a new policy office. Uh, they want a fresh boost, essentially. Um, it's about time, and we'll get a closer look at the plan. Yeah, so this was mostly sparked uh, because of the failure to uh, get Busan to host the World Expo in 2013. Now, most of the senior presidential secretaries and over half of the cabinets are speculated to be shown the door before the president's visit to the Netherlands uh, in mid-December. Presidential Chief of Staff Kim Degi is expected to stay put. Uh, Policy and Planning Secretary Lee Gwan Sub is likely to be the only one out of the six top office secretaries to uh, retain uh, his or her post. This comes as the other stand down to either run in April's general elections or be nominated um, for the cabinet. Now, the senior secretary for economic affairs, Choi sang Wok, is rumored to be Yoon's next pick for finance minister. As the current finance minister, Chu Gyeong Ho is looking to run uh, for parliament as a lawmaker. Now, discussions about establishing uh, science and technology secretariats appear actually to have been um, abandoned when they were considering it initially. Now, the consideration of dividing the social secretariat into two Separate secretaries is also currently deemed unlikely uh, as well. Now, what to say the reshuffle has been brought forward due to the recent failure to secure the uh, mm -hmm. World Expo, as I've said. And consequently, the future strategy planning office responsible for the World Expo bid within the presidential office is expected to be uh, effectively abolished as well, accordingly. Mm. And in that light, uh, the president has issued an apology to the public. He has said, I feel that we greatly missed our prediction target. I mean, it, we lost by a pretty big margin there. And so the predictions were a little bit off, to say the least. They certainly won. It was, uh, what was it, 119 votes yeah. to, uh, I can't remember the exact number. 28? 20-something. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yes, uh, Riyadh got the two-thirds vote that it needed to get the outright victory. So. Mm. Yeah, did it go off to the runoff vote that mm. Korea was hoping to uh, clinch its hit hopes on? But um, yeah. And that, someone needs that, to take responsibility. Just, that's just how it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. All right, let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. City renovation. So there is a need to spruce up first-generation planned cities, and a special bill for the redevelopment of these aging cities, including first-gen new cities like Bundang and Ilsan, has passed a parliamentary subcommittee. It doesn't feel new anymore, does it? What's the latest? <laughs> it certainly doesn't feel new. They were, as as you say, first-generation kind of new towns at the time, but of course that was 20-plus <laughs> years ago. So, uh, of course, it has aged quite a bit during... Uh, that time. Now, a parliamentary subcommittee on land laws uh, passed the bill in a meeting yesterday. The core of the bill is to increase the floor area ratio of old apartments and exempt them from safety assessments, easing regulations, 
on reconstruction uh, as well. The government plans to change second grade residential areas to third grade or commercial areas, allowing for a maximum FAR increase of up to 500%. Now, this would enable developers to build apartment buildings with more than 30 floors, up from the current 15 to 20. Uh, Aging cities applies to areas where land development projects have been completed for more than 20 years, covering more than 1 million square metres. This includes 51 locations nationwide, with over 1 million households encompassing these first-gen new cities and areas like Sange, Chunge, Boktong and Kepo. Uh, the bill also aims to streamline the approval process by integrating evaluations from various sectors like construction, transportation and the environment. Local governments will take the lead in formulating migration policies as well, so basically mm. to formulate policies to attract people away from Seoul if they are on the outskirts or away from mm. uh, the capital. Additionally, the bill uh, encourages the integration and redevelopment of multiple apartment complexes into block units, securing infrastructure such as roads um, and parks. The subcommittee started reviewing the special bill actually in May, but did face delays due to uh, differences between rival parties. However, with the approaching general elections in April, the Democratic Party uh, has actually expressed its intention to cooperate. Now, uh, the special bill is expected to pass through a plenary session of the National Assembly within this year, and the DP is saying it's going to cooperate in that uh, effort. Now, the law is set to be enacted four months after promulgation as well, so we could see some of these development redevelopment projects starting mm. quite soon. And subsequently, the central government and municipalities have actually started drawing up plans, assuming um, the passage of the special law. So going simultaneously with the kind of legal judicial procedures rather than waiting for the bill to actually be passed. So we could see a speedy process because of it. All right. As you mentioned, the headlines of refurbishment and supply of additional houses in these cities was one of President Yoon's campaign pledges. So trying mm -hmm. to keep good on that end. Let's move on to our Final keyword of the day. FEOC. FEOC, IRA. How many acronyms can you squeeze into one segment? <laughs> All right. So the Wall Street Journal reports that the U.S. Treasury Department is expected to announce detailed regulations next month for tax credits under the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, particularly for foreign entities of concern, FEOC. What's the latest, Adam? <laughs> so a lot of alphabets. Uh, <laughs> can get a bit confusing, but... Uh, I think we've reported it, uh, on it a lot of times now that I think our listeners basically know what they stand for, like the IRA as well. But the FEOC is something that we haven't mentioned quite as often. But okay. yes, it is foreign entities of concern, mainly focused on China uh, and with those uh, US-China tensions. Now, the WSJ says the FEOC regulations are expected to encompass state-owned Chinese companies involved in factories, components and essential minerals. Furthermore, the Treasury is reportedly examining how to treat U.S. and third-country-based companies partially owned by Chinese firms uh, as well. There is also contention over whether batteries produced using technology licensed from Chinese companies will, uh, will qualify uh, for subsidies. Now, under the IRA enacted in August last year, the U.S. provides up to $7,500 in subsidies for EVs uh, assembled in North America. However, the IRA excludes the FEOC dealing with essential minerals or battery components from being eligible for subsidies. Now, this provision 
is set to take effect for battery components next year and essential minerals in 2025. Now, the current definition of FEOC includes companies owned or controlled mm -hmm. by China, as well as Russia, North Korea, Iran, um, among others. So basically, uh, main adversaries of the US. Now, the current regulations are considered a bit too broad and ambiguous, leading the industry to demand more detailed guidelines, uh, Korean companies included. And the uh, Korean government in June actually asked the US government to clarify the companies that fall under the FEOC. The US has been continuously pondering the scope of these FEOC regulations, mm. narrowing down the criteria too much, mainly against the intention of protecting the domestic EV industry, while widening the scope excessively may make the number of EVs eligible for tax credits uh, very limited and hindering the achievement of environmental policy goals. So they've got a bit of a tough balancing act to do. Now, consequently, eyes will be on how much China-related companies will be included in the FEOC regulations, in addition to excluding companies affiliated with the Chinese government. Um, in this regard, some companies have actually reportedly made plans to adjust their ownership structure in line with the new FEOC um, regulations. But some watchers say that it doesn't really affect Korean companies that much because mm. when it comes to battery components, a significant portion of those productions from, uh, by these Korean companies are actually done within the US as well. So right. they're going to be eligible for those tax breaks um, uh, nonetheless. But, of course... They do. Uh, these Korean companies do rely heavily on Chinese-related technology and battery components and minerals as well. So uh, there's a lot of EVs that are using a lot of Chinese batteries now as well uh, mm. when it comes to Korean car makers. So, of course, they're not completely out of the woods when it comes mm. to this. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll just have to wait and see what those details are when they come out. Uh, from what we know, in the United States' perspective, we understand is trying to keep their EV industry more competitive. Uh, keeping China mm. in check is their collateral damage. I mean, there are standing FDAs, not just with South Korea, but other mm. allies. So we'll have to wait and see the, always for the details. Mm. Thank you very much, Adam. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. <laughs> If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.